0: to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia.
1: We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. (laughs) Episode 72. Can't believe you're back. I know, I guess. I'll fulfill the commitment of doing a second part good <laughs> on our topic. Good. Are you also willing to commit to part two? I, Talia? yeah,
0: I think, I think, you know, till death do us part two.
1: So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sweet. I'm in. Well, listeners, we're on fear of commitment part two. So if you didn't check out last episode, 71, fear of commitment part one, check it out. Cause I'm sure we're going to be talking about those themes and calling back. But at the end of our recording last time, I'm sure everyone remembers we were talking and there's even more to talk about than we anticipated. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that I wanted to do for this second part was now apply all of these themes and ideas that we outlined in part one at different stages of a relationship. And the three that you and I talked about before is when you first start dating someone and it's the, the level of commitment from, oh, we've gone on a few dates, Now we're going to commit to we're dating, we're Mm -hmm. exclusive, maybe throwing some labels around, whatever but that that early first commitment, what does that look like? And when those fears can come up and then second point being, you've been dating for a while and there's the big commitment of, I want to commit my life to you engagement Mm IE or marriage, you know, in that kind of ballpark. And then the third one is, okay, you've been in a committed monogamous relationship for 20 years, maybe married for 20 plus years or something like that. And what does fear commitment look like in those moments? And some people might be hearing that intro going, what do you mean? You're already committed. We'll talk about that. But what does commitment look like 20, 30, 40 years into a relationship? So yes, that's where we're going. Um, Oh, first thing. I think to acknowledge, but as before, dive into that is something you mentioned last episode, Talia. When we're talking about fear commitment, we're talking about uh, a specific context of fears, Mm. not the internal intuitive self where you're going. Wait a second, maybe this person something's off. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember what I'm talking about? I'll outline it. But do you remember? Okay, can you repeat that for our listeners? About we're talking about like this given set of context of something. Yeah. So I think the the fear
0: of commitment or that gut sense that comes up in a person where it's like, I don't get the, I don't get a good feeling about mm-hmm. this or the other person's the one in pursuit, so to speak. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you don't like being pursued, but something is off. Like yeah. this is, this, what we're talking about to last session or last session, last episode <laughs> of this episode uh, is more about the, you, you might be having avoided tendencies. Uh-huh. You might be having, thoughts or doubts that are normal that come up at the next phase of making these deeper commitments that is separate from your intuitive gut sense wherever that is for each individual telling you run that that's that's not a fear of commitment that is your body trying to guide you to safety that is separate and needs to be honored in its own way the type of fear of commitment we're talking about today especially Are the phases of the relationships and how they progress, and how the apprehension comes up when you bump up against that opportunity to commit in a deeper way? In I think in a way, you're. Some people look at it as signing up to like lose more of themselves, right? The classic avoidant tendencies. I don't want to be engulfed. I don't want to lose my independence. But there's also, I think, a fear of commitment in you know, what if, what if this doesn't work is one way to slice it? But what if this does, like, what if this is beyond my wildest dreams and this is actually much better than anything I've ever idealized. And I'd never thought of it that way because I've been so busy trying to be anxious and keep myself safe.
1: Well, and that's actually the whole context we're talking about is we're talking about stages in a relationship and a relationship where everything is going really well. There aren't those red flags. There, There isn't that gut intuition that like you're saying, oh my gosh, maybe something's off here. It's right. almost like, no, wait, all the ideal set of circumstances are there. It's good. And what's going on when you has, can still possibly have this fear of commitment. Still important yes. to note that there's other contexts where maybe that internal alarm bell system is going off mm-hmm. and you, you do want to tune to that and be very right. curious. Why is something inside of me going, no, this person feels off or no, thank you. And that can be because your internal alarm system is acknowledging an intuition that Mm -hmm. this person does have something that's not right for you. Or it could be past trauma for yourself, which could be like, ooh, I haven't learned how to like figure this out. We're talking about a relationship and at different stages where all the all the good stuff's happening and it's still scary. Mm-hmm. And it's still really hard to go, yes, I'm going to take that next next step, that next level of commitment. So just want yes. to outline that.
0: Yeah. So what do you define or identify as kind of the first type or mm, presentation of a relationship that we'll talk about?
1: Yeah, I think the first moment where commitment is commonly discussed is, all right, we've met, maybe we've been on a few dates. And... Now it's going into the territory of I'm going to commit more regularly to seeing you. It -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you're being exclusive, but I think it's a very common shift where two people are dating and they go, oh, we want to be exclusive, but I don't think it has to be. You don't, this isn't unique to monogamy. Mm -hmm. However, it is different from the, what I call like the one-offs. We went on a date that went well, great. Then we'll commit to one more date, but that's it. Yeah. This next level we're talking about, the moment where it's like, okay, it's not just date by date basis. It's oh no, you're an exciting, cool human. I want to commit to we're gonna be in continual relationship. It's not just date by date. It's we're gonna, we're gonna be dating now. We're gonna turn this into a thing. And again, some people that can be already the labels that can be thrown around. Hey, we're partners, hey, we're boyfriend, girlfriend, mm-hmm. hey, whatever that is. But I think that's clear. It's just, you shift away from just the date by date basis. And now it's, nope, I like you, Mm -hmm. you like me. We're going to do a thing now. We're going to commit to exploring a relationship together.
0: Yes. And this is where I see, I think we've talked about this before, like the limerence phase where Mm -hmm. you're so Mm -hmm. infatuated with them and you have Mm -hmm. intrusive thoughts and you're obsessively thinking about them and you you don't don't need sleep because you just want to text them and their eyelashes, the cutest thing you've ever seen that wears (laughs) off like that totally wears off. And sometimes that wears off at different times for each person, mm-hmm. but that's the, I think that's the most common phase to really be susceptible to, um, I call it the, wouldn't it be nices? Wouldn't it be nice if you were my plus one to a wedding? Wouldn't it be nice if we did this thing far in the future? Wouldn't it be, you're just, wouldn't it be nicing them into yeah. like, let's plan this future where you've yeah. known this person, right? A few months. It usually yeah. lasts. I think the science shows, especially like three to four months but Hmm. it can go away sooner. I have the um, chemical hormones up here too.
1: I'd be curious, that sounds right to me, but I don't know what the science says about it, but yeah, three or four, I'd say, I guess probably I would guess three to six on the high end, but.
0: There's oxytocin, the pheromones and then PEA. So PEA is a natural form of amphetamine that our bodies produce and it's been called the molecule of love. Pheromones are produced from DHEA. They influence sensuality rather than sexuality. So that's that sense of well-being and comfort when you're around the person. And then oxytocin, as we've talked about before, that's the cuddle hormone. It wants us to get close. And when we're feeling close to anyone, we secrete it. It's secreted by the posterior pituitary gland and it stimulates the secretion of dopamine, estrogen, LHRH, and vasopressin. So essentially a lot of the chemicals that are coming out while you're having sex as well. Uh, vasopressin mostly for men, but
1: oxytocin is my favorite and right to throw it's in my there. yeah that's just all just, everything in my I'm, world give it is oxytocin me, right <laughs> yeah it. that's that Eat first that phase. Phase.
0: <laughs> yeah and and you don't you don't have the same sense and this is where kind of like last time I was talking about men and women have different stages of development psychosocially uh especially in evolutionary psychology if you are a I don't know what age should we use as as an example 22 23 sure I was going to yeah. 23 right. 23. If you're 23-year-old. Let's just say you're in a, you're a couple relationship, right? Hmm. The societal pressures that a lot of women face, though not as much now. The average age, as of statistics from last year, is 32 years old is the average age of marriage. Hmm. Um, a little bit older for men and then a little bit younger, for like 30 for women and 33 for men. So yeah. let's say you're 23. You're you know already much younger than, like a decade younger than the average age, but you feel this like potentially burgeoning feeling, right? Mm. I'm in college. I'm in this relationship. This is so fun. Obviously the societal conditioning and maybe what your parents did or told you that's your next step. Let's commit, Mm. right? Let's be in this relationship. I want to only be with you. The tough part is that 18 to 24 age range and a little bit higher for men is when they want fun and adventure. Mm -hmm. They're not wanting to settle down and commit. And it's actually not out of avoidant attachment. Mm -hmm. It's that is not their task in life. that's not what they're thinking of right they want to build a life they want to have fun we each want to have fun at a different phase but if you're in the i want to commit and settle down while they're in the i want to go out and calivant around it's not going to work out very well and this is where sometimes this first phase we do see avoid an attachment come out and i would I would caution people to not just slap that label on somebody who doesn't want to commit. There are many other reasons why somebody doesn't want to take it that step further in that dating phase, right? It could be attachment concerns. It could also be, this is not my task at this phase of life, Like I like being with you, but if I feel like I can win at dating you three or four hours a week and then I'm out with my boys the rest of the time, but those three or four hours like I'm locked in and that's what I'm committed to, that might not be enough for me. Neither mm-hmm. person is wrong right. in this situation. Yeah. We have different needs and different thresholds for intimacy and different reasonable. I'm doing um, air air bunnies around those. For those of you who can't see, we have different reasonable requests. So mm-hmm. this phase one of dating, getting to the point of commitment, I want, I would love listeners to really differentiate. What are you wanting to commit to? Right? Mm-hmm. Is it? seeing the person as much as they're able to? Is it seeing them all the time? What are the expectations mm-hmm. of that? Do you want to use the label boyfriend and girlfriend? Expectations are key. And I know you're having like a moment <laughs> and I, I want you to share it because I have an example too. So you go first.
1: Well, it's not, I just love what you're saying. And I want to yeah. jump in. Yeah. I think that's one of the, the big context of fear is yeah. if In this early stage, of course, it hasn't been clearly communicated yet Mm -hmm. that what the expectations are. Right. So the fear of the unknown of, well, when we say we're committing, what does that that mean? mean? That can be really scary at this early stage. Mm -hmm. My big time was like, yeah, so that you can have a conversation and have a mature discussion with this person you started dating and talk about commitment. Mm -hmm. Because commitment is such a buzzword, oh no. It's like, no, let's talk about what the version of commitment is. Maybe the commitment is, I'm committed to you these four hours out of the week. Mm -hmm. All right, well, at least we talk about it and it's clear and maybe both partners are into it. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is, having clear communication of here's what commitment means to me, here's where I'm at. Let's set those expectations because then once both partners are there, A, there's what we call informed consent. (laughs) We've both agreed to it and we're on the same page. But also that can reduce the fear of the unknown. Of well, what does it mean to you that we are exclusively dating? Does that mean we're going to make babies next week? Right? Does that mean <laughs> we're getting uh, married uh, within uh, a year? Uh, excuse or, or
0: me. Can I just tell my parents I'm dating somebody? Like, yeah. where are we at?
1: Yeah. What does that mean? So I just I just love that the expectation mm-hmm. is is important to yes. discuss, communicate, and get on the same page. Or I don't think it has to be on the same page, but make sure you're clear with what each person's at. You have each a mutual
0: understanding yes mutual, understanding. yes, mutual
1: understanding. Yes, And
0: I would say, try not to, try to get out of the limerence phase, the hormonal infatuation. Uh, it usually lasts about three to four months or a little bit more. So let's just, let's just round it or make it an average of four months.
1: Let's say four. Don't
0: make a commitment before that, unless you've had those really clear discussions and you've mm-hmm. seen that enduring over time right? Yes. Have they said that from month one and they still mean it by month three? Yeah. Okay. There are different, there obviously are exceptions to most every rule. Mm-hmm. So you might not be in limerence as long and you might be in it for longer. <laughs> Try not to, while you're still so clouded by those hormones, yeah. make that decision. Because like I said earlier, oh my God, they're the cutest eyelashes in the world. Mm-hmm. After limerence quickly turns into your eyelashes are everywhere. They're all over the sink. They're here. They're this, this is <laughs> not fun anymore. I hate it. You're like, you, you, you start to not like those things that you found very endearing and cute because your hormones are returning back to not a drug-induced state. So yeah. making a clear-headed decision also involves you having your own internal informed consent that you don't want to rush into it too quickly. And sorry to say to some other people that are going to hear this <laughs> and go, wait a second, if you're anxiously attached, the last thing you want to do is wait Because if you have this fear of being abandoned, right, Mm -hmm. avoidance is more fear of being engulfed or losing independence. Deep down, there is still a fear of abandonment. But this core feeling for anxious people, anxiously attached people is I just need to commit now. They're Mm -hmm. the ones who are more likely in this limerence phase to really want to lock it down. Statistically, Mm -hmm. it's more so women. That's also an evolutionary thing because how many times going back in history and just now, how many times can we get pregnant once Mm -hmm. a year? How many times can men get somebody pregnant? Multiple times a day, right? Mm -hmm. If they really wanted to. We have a different relationship with time as women. So we really want to lock it down and commit. It's like this internal expiration date. If you're not making the commitment within six months to a year of like boyfriend, girlfriend, or engagement, I'm wasting my time, Mm -hmm. right? All about time. Mm -hmm. But in this key phase of boyfriend and girlfriend, and we've made the decision together, okay, we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. I would advise people. Give it a few months. If you're really going to be boyfriend and girlfriend, a month or two is not going to change anything. <laughs> and if it does, then you probably shouldn't be boyfriend and girlfriend. Exactly. So either the, way, it's good.
1: The cost benefit analysis yeah. is slowing down and pacing mm-hmm. will only add benefit. There's very low risk to that. Yes. I'm sure, some time, quote unquote, can be wasted. Even though I would say it's more of an investment than a waste because you are discovering and learning someone, but there's really no drawback. If it's a great relationship, then pacing out and acknowledging a nice pace is only going to be beneficial versus if we jump a little fast into some of this commitment, maybe even in a fear-based state where it's like, oh, this is great, but it's because I'm anxious and I just need to lock this down, which is a fear-based state, then then there is a big risk that it's all of this perception of hormone that we're just infatuated with someone and not really getting to know them. Mm-hmm. So the cost benefit analysis makes it pretty clear, like pace it a little bit. Now that's different than we've been dating non-exclusively for five years. <laughs> and it's like, there's a whole other in the spectrum. But in this case, we wanna acknowledge, let that pace be right, but be intentional. And mm-hmm. what I would recommend is go back to that clear expectations and maybe even in this lead up in early dating to the shift to commitment, have a pre-commitment discussion. And mm-hmm. that's where it's, it's about, as you said, consistency over time
0: mm-hmm.
1: or expectations of where you're hoping to go, or while well, I'll go with a new word intention. Yeah. I'm dating to, and, you know, to intentionally find a life partner versus, Mm -hmm. well, I'm dating because I'm focused on my career. I'm having fun and I would like to have sex. Like, I just want to have a safe person that I can have sex with. Both are fine intentions. If you communicate that early, but then you see some shifts, you can have pre-commitment discussions of, wow, this is going so well. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Oh, what did you call it? The, the, what if no, not the, what if stage wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. Those wouldn't be nice. Wouldn't it be nice is to be a plus one at a wedding? Like, yeah, that would be really cool. But that's a pre-commitment discussion of, that's gonna be pretty cool. I'm intending that, that'd be cool to get there. And let's see how that goes. And I think mm-hmm. done in the right way, it's also, um, it builds that bond and leads to commitment. It can be sexy, it can be exciting, saying, hey, my intention's there, this is really cool. And we're pacing, we're taking yes. our time and being deliberate, communicative with our expectations.
0: Yes. And it's not the sexy way of doing it because mm-hmm. it goes against what all of your hormones are going to want you to do. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to get to like, our, we're talking about today, like stage two of commitment where you're in, like, like we talked about, let's say now you're in the partner relationship at like a boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend level. And you're making the commitment next to, okay, we're going to build a life together. The key here is that window mm-hmm. is different for each partner, right? To use a heteronormative mm-hmm. example. I, in that window before becoming girlfriend to fiance, am feeling certain feelings, right? Mm -hmm. They might be different. I'm building a life. I'm assessing you. How are you going to be as a parent? Do you already have kids? If so, how are you with them? Where where am I going to fit into this? And this is where this other stage of development really for men or, or, you know, the psychosocial stage, what, where are they at in their life, Right. Mm -hmm. Are they wanting to settle down? Are they wanting to commit? What age are they while you're trying to move from boyfriend, girlfriend to fiance? And what are some of the common complaints, right? If you're dating somebody who, in one of my mentors, the, the the night phase, right? The fun and adventure where they just want to gallivant around, they aren't going to really want to settle down and commit. It doesn't mean they won't. Like, let's say you got pregnant out of wedlock as the old, you know, olden days would say, or- you know, you're really wanting to, and they don't want to lose you and they do enjoy having fun with you, then they're more likely to say yes. But moving from that to, okay, we're getting engaged. That's where you'll start to see a lot of evaluation. And if they don't yeah. feel like they have their life built up enough to be ready for that, there's some guys who want the kingdom built and then they want to build in the queen. And there's some who want to find the queen, have her by his side and then build the kingdom together. Yeah. So you really have to make a decision as the woman, if you are in this relationship, looking at what is this going to be like and what are they, where are they at and where am I at? And can I tolerate perhaps waiting the few Mm -hmm. years while they're still building it at work more than they're with us? They're not choosing it instead of us. That's part of them building to then at the end of that, look and go, look what I've built for us. Let's enjoy that. We might not be on the same path, right? Mm -hmm. What, what a lot of women want, which is I, uh, and, analytically speaking is modeled to us if we have a parent example that we would look up to doesn't mean we want their marriage but like we grew up having our dad be the provider or this Mm -hmm. or that we conflate and assume that our male partner even though they're decades younger than our father was when he was exhibiting those behaviors this there's this conflation of like oh well I want them to be all these things and stable and this and that what do you think your parents had to go through to get to that like you either build with them or you wait And you don't end up partnering with them. And this is, I just listened to a podcast the other day on this. Are men, do men really just settle down and commit to the person they're with at the time they're ready to? I think yes. It doesn't mean all the time, but if you're not ready or looking for a commitment, and then all of a sudden you are the person you're intentionally dating at that point, though you could have been dating somebody eight months ago, that's the person you're going to commit to. Can I? do I feel safe with this person? Right. Uh-huh. This is what we talk about in like EFT and Gottman. Can I trust you? Will you be there for me? Can I rely on you? Mm-hmm. And are those answers? Yes. And sometimes when we're moving from boyfriend, girlfriend, shit's getting real. We're having more mm-hmm. fights. We're having more serious discussions about what this is going to look like for the rest of our life. That's a wonderful phase to decide, okay, this, yes, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? The longer we've been together, the more I've realized this might not actually be the relationship to take that step to Mm -hmm. that's the fear of commitment i think people have moving from boyfriend girlfriend level to Mm -hmm. fiance it's often more serious Mm -hmm. right there's investments there's likely life decisions being made Mm -hmm. there's venues being like Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it that you can't undo the higher the level the more rings you have the higher level of commitment the harder it is to undo the less likely you are to even be able to get back to an independent
1: self That's a lot on people. That's where I want to go, the independent self. So, and just to be clear, like, so we're in now the second stage piece that we wanted to talk about where it really is this, okay, we've been dating for a while. Now it's time for a more explicit long-term commitment going there. So we're in that stage, Mm -hmm. um, just so it's clear. I love that you're reminding us, because we talked about this last episode about there can be this piece for one partner who's still building their castle and they're a little scared to commit until that's built. So I love that you're reviewing that. That's all mm-hmm. cool. And this dynamic that you're landing on is where I wanted to go with. There's also this piece of in this stage, it's, it's a strong commitment away from individuality to partnership,
0: mm-hmm. to
1: teamwork, now, mm-hmm. to be clear, that doesn't mean there wasn't teamwork or partnership in the dating phase. Of course, that's there. And actually, that's a really good thing to go back to that first stage of clear expectations and talking yes. about that can that fear can come up even in that first stage where someone's really used to living the completely individual single life. And now there's in the first stage, a little bit of commitment. like, well, I'm going to consider this person. This is my primary person. I want to be dating. That's still there. Mm-hmm. And that dynamic travels into the second stage of, yeah. OK, are we in the place of engagement and marriage where we want to do a lifelong commitment? And that is a huge, just genuine thing to acknowledge that it, it can be difficult to shift from. I'm no longer going to be thinking I, I, I. I'm going to be thinking we, we, we. And that's hard, mm-hmm. especially, I would say, if you're a little bit younger and maybe this is a bit biased given my life experience, but if I'm looking at a younger shift, if I've only had five years of independence from when I came out of adulthood, which was already a life stage of I'm trying to learn how to be an autonomous individual human, yeah. i may not really be ready to go back to not being an autonomous individual human. Exactly. I might still want to be like enjoying my strong sense of self
0: mm-hmm.
1: and getting to that place could be a little bit harder. I don't. I didn't really think this out until I started talking about it, but it's it's an interesting dynamic to think about. They don't want to go right back
0: into feeling like you're under someone's thumb, which this is like a lot of the, that, that decision to move from, Mm -hmm. you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, like this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with is, will this person honor my autonomy? It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I'm going to be disrespectful, hopefully to the relationship, but I still want an independent self so Mm -hmm. we can develop an interdependent relationship Mm -hmm. And if we're expecting that, they just moved out of their parents' house, right? This 23-year-old example, they just moved out yeah. of their parents' house, they're this, they're getting a career and a job, and, and they're going to go right back to having to live in a household where there's rules, chores, structure. That... No, like that's yeah. not attractive for a lot of people at specific phases with yes. more life experience, right? I think that's why we do see the trend going towards it being older when you get married, for many reasons emerging adulthood has pushed when people get jobs and finish careers. You add the pandemic into that. I can't wait to see what the new census update is going to be on <laughs> the delay in marriage age. You don't want to lose that sense of independence, and it's not out of I'm afraid to commit to you specifically as my partner. It's more I don't want to make a commitment I can't follow through on. I don't want to make a commitment before I have enough life experience to feel solid in making the commitment. And I don't know if we've worked through everything to be able to be. Fiance, right? That's where I think fear of commitment comes up. You've made that transition, or let's say you are engaged and you're really Mm -hmm. starting to have those premarital counseling with us, right? Real conversations. Mm -hmm. What about kids? What? I recommend doing that before you decide to get engaged because it's really shitty to get engaged and then go to premarital counseling and then you're like, wait a second, we actually have way too many
1: fundamental differences, and we they both look, they're like, we should not be getting married. I agree, but I want to do a little mini tangent here. I agree (laughs) that that's useful. But actually in a, like in a larger ideal world, which uh, yeah. I mean, doesn't happen yeah. is that's the whole point of engagement. <laughs> I wish True. we didn't shame people for getting True. engaged and then breaking it off. I, I wish that I was totally a common agree. thing because that's why you get engaged is to start having those conversations. I, I'm a mini soapbox is yeah. we need to not shame people who get engaged and then break it off because they Absolutely. did the work and learned the things that engagement's for. And they made a great decision to go. You know what? Maybe I mean this sucks. We invested a lot, but maybe we're not there. Anyway, side note, tangent, soapbox.
0: But <laughs> even with even with early divorce, right? This oh. all speaks to the the data and what we're talking about and have spoken about before speaks to do it later. Yeah. If you find the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with at 21 or 22, there's no problem with that. Do you need to legal legal right marriage all that other stuff? Start the rest of your life that exact moment? Probably not right? If you are meant to be, and we're not talking this ethereal fate drove you together. like if you're mm-hmm. truly meant to be and committed to making a it, good your relationship yeah. last, there's no need to rush engagement, mm-hmm. right? There, I can think of maybe a few examples like military, where you're allowed to live on base or, you know, uh, changing the name before you get your, all your doctor degrees or I mean, like, I think those things could be exceptions, but make, make those decisions out of, not a hormonal experience right try not to brush through so soon and it's like we got married after three months yeah yeah okay that back in the day there wasn't also a lot of availability for people and you made it work back then and we died a lot younger and you died a lot younger (laughs) there was other elements and counseling wasn't as well yeah but this fear this fear of commitment from are we going to get engaged not or let's mm -hmm. even move it to like okay we are engaged Mm -hmm. like now shit's really getting real you're mm-hmm. continuing to build that commitment and loyalty and trust. You're mm-hmm. not off the hook just because yeah, it's, you're not not engaged. Yeah. It's, it's not a done. Like, thing. Oh, I'll stop putting an effort. I'll stop yeah. this. I'll stop that. This is where the ongoing commitment of let's take a scoop of phase one. Let's take a scoop yeah. of limerence, still enjoy dating the person and yeah. still enjoy being with them. Knowing I always tell my couples, you are two, building two lives into one mm-hmm. that is naturally going to be difficult. Look at Parent-child relationships, look at best friendships or friendships. There's two humans who have competing sometimes wants and needs trying to build a harmonious life together. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be harmonious 100% of the time. But Mm -hmm. in the conflicts you might be having, bumping up against this fear of commitment of like, we're engaged, we're this, we're that. Let the person propose to you. I've seen this too. This is another thing I wanted to bring up. Let the person propose to you in their timing. And I'm not saying it's been eight years and you're just sitting waiting around, like depending on your age, that's also a long time to just be sitting in limbo when it comes to, (laughs) are we really going to make this commitment or not? The more you force, especially women who are younger and want to like force the guy into it is what I've seen historically in Orange County, especially they don't like that. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to be forced into that kind of a decision. So let it play out and have the intentional conversations of here's where I'm at, right? We talked about the other day, the reveal. This is what I Mm -hmm. want from the relationship. We're boyfriend and girlfriend. My intention is to move towards engagement. Not everybody's intention of boyfriend and girlfriend is to move towards that. Mm -hmm. So all the more reason at both of those choice points before we talk about, okay, the next phase where we're married and committed to each other and we're afraid Mm -hmm. of this commitment, have the discussion of what does it mean to you? What is boyfriend and girlfriend or, or that level, right? Girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend mean, and what is different or what is the same in fiance relationship. Mm -hmm. And then What are the expectations spouse wise? How soon do you want to have kids? Do you want to have kids at all? Are we going to move? Are we making career changes shortly after we're married, like those deeper discussions of how can we maintain the commitment, I think are very important to continue having.
1: And I think the act of those discussions is the practical behavior of shifting yeah. from individual to team. It's like, hey, we're we're yeah. talking about these things as a team, and that will attune to some of these fears. Yes, I think an important part of one of those discussions is being the emotionally focused mm-hmm. therapist here, being, hey, when when in these moments now, when it is scary or when there are these life challenges, have I actually had an experience in all of this dating and engagement where I can turn to you for comfort and soothing? Yeah. For some people, easy peasy can do it, and maybe they don't have as much fear. But if we're talking about a context of hey, the relationship is going great, but there's still this fear of commitment, I'd be very curious. For each partner, have you had a moment of what it's really like to feel in distress and turn to your partner for support? And are you there for me? Can I trust you to be there for me? And not just like oh, I'm stressed at work, but like hey, I'm kind of distressed about our relationship, and can I turn to you about how scary this relationship is? And not have it be a fight against us or a threat to us, but instead be, ooh, this is vulnerable and scary together. Can we do this together? Mm -hmm. Um, That's part of me saying this conversation's key, but it's also the antidote if you're noticing some of this fear of commitment is maybe there hasn't been a felt lived experience Mm -hmm. before making that full commitment to say marriage in a long-term relationship to have that safety and secure bonding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just
1: want to add that into one of the cool discussions. Yeah. Uh, before the last stage, I think the last thing for this stage two, fear of commitment that comes up for me is also um, I, I want to acknowledge there's a good place for grief in this. Because as you were talking about, you're giving great examples of look, the reality of commitment with this partner now, you know them, you know what's up. And so what are our plans for kids and living in careers, but also what are the things that maybe I won't do now that it's like, I have a very clear template. of you're the human I'm considering spending my life with, there can be some genuine things of, oh, I have to grieve the end of my individuality. Mm-hmm. I, there might be some grief of, oh yeah, I, in a sense, I'm kind of thinking I, I really am not going to be dating again. And what kind of fun experiences are there? Or maybe it's oh my partner doesn't like dogs and I won't get to have dogs in my life and I have I'm to now. grieve immediately that now. I know right immediately <laughs> now. you're fine. No, thank you um, but you know stuff like that where if it's not a deal breaker although dogs should definitely be a deal breaker um, yeah. but if it's something like that like I want to normalize that it's okay to grieve and I would I would say it would be so strong to be able to for each partner to talk about some of the grief of what they're leaving behind from the pre-commitment world, and also the potential future. That they, oh yeah, you know, you really love. Or I'll, I'll talk about me. I love my family in Orange County. It's very hard for me to imagine moving out of Orange County. Yeah, because of my family exclusively. Mm-hmm. It could happen. It's not like it's an off the table. It'd be really hard. Well, someone I'm dating, my partner has to go. Okay, I've always thought I'd want to live in Iceland. And that's probably not an option for if I want to be with Ryan <laughs> and there could be some genuine grief there. I had, so I just want to acknowledge that that's an important piece to tune to and a great way to address some of these fears of commitment.
0: Yeah. I had a, a couple I worked with where that was one of the concerns and it's actually not that uncommon with a lot of couples I've seen here mm-hmm. in Orange County because yeah. some of them are transplant. Some of them were born mm-hmm. here. So mm-hmm. the, the splits of this, these are my roots. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't. And and sometimes it's not that the other person wasn't raised here, but the mm-hmm. dichotomy becomes I want out and mm-hmm. I want to stay. Mm-hmm. And ideally, we have those discussions from the start. But this is another part of how men and women are different. Men are very honest about what they want and don't want. We just don't listen that way because we're very manipulative at times. And so you'll tell us in the beginning, like, I really don't want to have I'm not going to move. I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to this because of the way that estrogen works in our brain, especially we're like, well, you just haven't met me yet. And so once we really get into the relationship, then you're going to want to go move to Idaho and have those two kids you never wanted to have. And you're also going to have the marriage that you said you never wanted to have. Cause it's, it's me. And if you loved me, then you would do this. So because you don't do this, it means you don't love me. all of that is not, doesn't need to happen. It does happen on a regular basis though. Yeah. These couples that I've worked through that with some have stayed together. Some have not because of, again, this phase of life of where they met. It's usually the younger girl between 30 to 35 and the older guy who's to use my mentor's language out of that Prince stage, probably Uh late Prince in the King stage of Uh I'm set in my ways. Uh And if you're with somebody who's set in their ways, you better like the ways they're set in because they Uh are not changing. So this is where it comes to this commitment. When do you want it? If you're dating somebody who's in the I'm building my kingdom, they're more flexible. They're psychologically going to take more of your suggestions. You have more influence on them if you do this earlier. If, you, if I'm at this age and I'm trying to date somebody who has the established career, maybe they had a marriage and kids before, regardless, I, I know who I am. Like when you meet a guy who's in the I know who I am, you're not convincing them out of it. This is where a lot of conflict I see in my office comes in commitment. They've moved through this. They are engaged or they're married, which we'll talk about next. And I have some science to, to add in too you're in that commitment and there's this frustration and this intolerance of why aren't you different than when I met you, right? We expect you to change when we marry you as a woman is kind of the old trope. And men marry women expecting them to never change, right? But we're like, if I could just fix this one tooth. No, at face value, after you and I today have talked, like after you have all those conversations, if you're still on the fence and there's some deep needs that are not going to be met by what this person is telling you they are or are not capable of, You have to fish or cut bait. You have to make the commitment and go, okay, I need to grieve my independence and that I won't get these things, but I'll get these instead of, or in addition to. Mm -hmm. And so in the Gottman phases, I will read what he wrote about this because this is the building commitment phase. Like we're talking about, it's about building true commitment and loyalty. It's a couple either cherishing one another and nurturing gratitude for what they have with their partner or nurturing resentment for what they think is missing The third phase is about making a deep love last a lifetime or slowly nurturing a betrayal. An important metric of this phase is the fairness metric, the sense that power is fairly distributed in the relationship and it's difficult to establish deep and lasting trust that has unwelcome power asymmetry, one in which the power distribution feels unfair to at least one person this harkens back to if I'm trying to push you to commit too soon and it feels unfair to you because you're really sacrificing your whole independent autonomy before we get married. Let's say you get like six months of it and we meet after we both graduate college. Uh That's not, that's not a time to make that commitment. It doesn't mean that's the wrong person. It's Uh more about timing in this phase. What's the right time to have that phase three, that deep level of trust and commitment. So Uh let's say we are married, right? We can transition into that. Yeah. What am I focusing on most? Why am I why would I be afraid to continue to commit to you? Do I have negative sentiment override? Which is one of our other great episodes. Yeah, we have a
1: whole episode yeah. on that. If you am would I check only that seeing,
0: out. am I looking at our relationship through shit colored glasses? Then yeah, I'm gonna be afraid to keep committing to you because I'm mm-hmm. seeking where I feel failed. And I'm going to confirm it, even if it's twisting it in my mind to make it true, then I'm not going to want to commit to you. I'm going to pull away. I'm going to detach. There's going to be like this erosion of commitment and a fear of continuing to commit because guess what? We have a fight and we make up, but then we have two more fights. I don't, I'm afraid to keep committing to you. That's how I see that phase three. What about you?
1: Yeah. I think, I remember thinking about two, the the one that really stands in my mind right now, because this is. I guess what I, I've heard yeah. in my office is there can be, even when things are going great in a long term marriage, this thing that can come up, you know, a few decades in of, did I make the right choice? Yep. And then that can lead to an in the present moment for a I of like, am I still willing and confident in continuing to make that choice? And the one thing I just want to acknowledge is that we don't talk a lot about in our culture, that commitment is an ongoing decision. I think a lot of people, or maybe because of the the couples I work with, <laughs> but a lot of couples who have been in these long relationships, they'll go like, oh yeah, it takes repetitive over time. I'm gonna recommit, yep. I'm gonna recommit. But I don't think we see that in like our movies or in our music to where like God, we no. never really talk about it. So anyone who's like not been in a 20 plus year marriage might be like, what do you mean? And that's just why I wanted to bring that up Uncle, too Uncle. is, <laughs> yeah. Is start start asking some questions of people who have been in these long-term relationships and what that level of commitment had to be over time. Anyway, that's that's my little like preface mm-hmm. after we started yeah. talking about this. But so there's also how that can turn into did I make the right choice? Or maybe like you're saying, there's been these bad fights and man, am I gonna re-up and commit? To me, I see that as this fear of commitment, not so much it's doubt. That sounds like more doubt. Yeah, it's just this natural thing of we've been through some hard stuff together. And sometimes there can be a little bit of a film on the lens that you can get disconnected or distracted to of what's going on that's so great in the relationship. And again, I don't wanna dive into other contexts that aren't that things are going well, right? where there's like a a bigger issue. Of course, that's what I see a lot in in my sessions. I'm talking about, hey, it's still going well. It's still like, yeah, we've had some of these fights and they come again. But it's still like, oh, do I have the energy to recommit to this 20 years plus down the road? That's a scary thing to do because inherently, here, have been in a relationship that long. You're also starting to have a phase of life, not just phase of relationship, Correct. but a personal individual point of like, I only have so much life left in me. Maybe I'm midway through my life and it's like, maybe I didn't really get where I wanted to. Or maybe you're starting to go right into the later part of your life and going, man, is this really how I see the last part of my life going? Mm-hmm. It's just a natural existential piece of humanity that can get mm-hmm. played into this moment of phase three relationship doubt or fear, I should say, mm-hmm. phase three relationship fear of who this is scary to recommit, to wake up each day and commit to this again. Mm-hmm.
0: I've, I've been... Um... <laughs> The maid of honor three times so i'm mm-hmm. very good at giving speeches and i do this for a living so it's my favorite <laughs> it's my personal favorite to walk up and be like just don't even try and flex on me like i have this on walk In giving those speeches and doing research for it and you know obviously for work i i found that depending obviously on the age they are when they got married this experience of what is it going to look like for the rest of our life is often a disillusionment mm-hmm because I'm having my own internal relationship experience, this other person's having their own internal relationship experience, let's say we move through phase one, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, we're fiancés, now we're married, we're 15 to 20 years in, here's where the individuation process and our own individual development really comes true. And I sit, you know, there at those weddings, those kids, especially the most like a decade ago, it's like, two of them are divorced so that clearly didn't work (laughs) and then the other one is doing very well but they had their own experience and their own rough patches to work through prior to marriage covid set some delays as well this experience that marriage is a choice you we're not immune from being let down by this person we're not immune from being betrayed by them It's statistically the longer you're together, the more likely you are to experience some of those hurts, losses, betrayals, et cetera. And you're so close together. Mm -hmm. There's there's this innate sense of there's more pressure on this person Mm -hmm. when I can't even be everything I need, right? I can't do everything I possibly need or want for myself. I I can hire somebody, or you know, I would be so burnt out if I had to do everything all the time. I have a dentist. I have this literally some of those needs too we can't reasonably put that expectation on our partner and expect to not have doubt, to not have fear. It doesn't really mean it's about that specific person. It's more a reevaluation of who am I gonna be in this relationship if I continue to recommit? If I am noticing, right? We're having more fights than we are positive times. If I am noticing, wow, you turned into, you know, like I said, my mentor said that King phase where you're really sure of yourself after you go through a midlife crisis, And I don't actually like who you became, like who you solidified into in the ways that you're stuck in now are actually incongruent so much with where we first were. And I don't know that I can continue to say yes to the commitment. We have another episode on, you know, warning signs for that and and deciding on that. But we bump up more against doubt of that commitment. Did Like you're saying, did I make the right decision? Am I looking back on my life and seeing the positives of, you know, who would I not have been? Had I not picked this person and made that 15 to 20 year marriage commitment to them, it's not going to be all wonderful all the time. You are going to project onto them, like I've said in other episodes, you project onto them the terrible mother, the terrible father, the good mother, the good father, this like sexy vixen maiden person where you have those hot date nights, and then there's times where you project onto them, I need, I need a mom, right? I need a more maternal or paternal figure in my life. So if you're ready to bring, I think my ending point, if you're gonna bump up against that eventually in that fear of commitment, this is something to consider way far back in that limerence phase, you're gonna build potentially, if you, if you want to, and you both agree to it, it's a good fit, you build a whole lifetime with that person. And I say in the speeches I give, you are going to meet a hundred different versions of your partner in your lifetime, at least, right? And, and in small various ways, and maybe it's 50, you have to make the choice at every single one of those to meet them and say, you know what, I'm still in. And if there's versions of them you're meeting where you're like, ooh, I just I feel like we're just growing apart. This is where um, Esther Perel's work comes in of back in the day, people would get divorced because it was so awful where they were currently at. And nowadays people get divorced or decide to sit in that fear of commitment and be like, you know what, I'm out because they feel like they could find something better. And so in those fears of commitment, really take an honest inventory look at all the life we've built and every other choice point we've had and committed to each other. And that's, I think, how ultimately people can bust through that doubt of commitment is it's not the, um, oh we've been together this long, we may as well. It's like, we have literally worked so hard on building this life together. And what if in a year from now, this is a blip on the radar, right? What if this doubt or this fear that I can talk to my partner about Imagine how calming it would be to bring it up to them and they go, oh my gosh, I've been thinking the same thing. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe we should have more date nights. And then we're like, oh wait, that solved it. Like, don't Mm -hmm. sit in that fear or doubt alone. There's actually a lot of work that can be done if you bring that up to your partner.
1: Especially if in that discussion, partners can talk about that we do change in a safe way. Like you Mm -hmm. said, there's a hundred different versions that we're gonna meet. I would wanna normalize that and, and remind listeners that, in a long-term relationship, hopefully both partners are changing and growing. But that means that there's going to be some natural healthy tension of, well, wait, you're different now. And then how to talk about that, but have safety to talk about that. And when it's challenging, acknowledge you're different and and that's okay. But part of, and this is now personal value I'm throwing in, but a part of like this type of deep commitment is going... And I'm committed to to learning you again as you change. I'm committed to understanding you in a new way as you understand yourself in a new way. And I really hope that you'll understand my new sense of self and my new things. And if you can lean into that value of commitment that through those changes, we're together and intimate. And when it's hard, we can turn to each other and say, man, this is hard. Then- You can openly discuss those fears. And I do have faith and belief based on what I do in my office, that when those fears are open and you as a couple can attack them as a team, oh my gosh, you can accomplish anything in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, is it so much more easy to get through those speed bumps in a relationship to where... A year later it's like oh yeah that was just uh just a bump that was it mm-hmm. and now we're back into it and if anything this is where i get really excited when you meet a, a new person you're learning them a new that actually has room for excitement and fun and joy and deeper connection and then the intimacy that's there you work through that and then after years it's like wow how cool is it to be so connected and intimate with someone oh, it's just the it's just the greatest thing in the world so
0: yeah that's so true to look at it like that i just popped in not mm-hmm. I think I've had this thought before but it really mm-hmm. popped in my head again it was like say this because this is helpful mm-hmm. we start with phase one limerence mm-hmm. right this excitement mm-hmm. this newness this feeling of like oh my god does the sunshine out of their eyes like <laughs> does the world orb? this is just so amazing I love them right why can't we and this is obviously nuanced question there's mm-hmm. books about it we could do a whole other episode on it how do you take that into the new partner or the new version of your partner you're meeting, if they do happen to change 15 to 20, and we're talking about safe changes where they like maybe develop a new hobby. Like we're not talking about violence or anything like that. In these examples they're developing, they're evolving, they're deepening in their sense of self. How can you as a listener, if you're in this phase or if you're wanting to be at that phase eventually how can you look at it? Like this is a new version of my partner who I can fall in love with again. And let me bring back those hormones. Let me bring back that sense of excitement and identity, plan date nights, wear different outfits, go take trips, date them continually, right? When you meet a new version of yourself or your partner, go back to that phase one limerence phase, that excitement. I can't get enough of them and look at it positively rather than sitting in the grief and disappointment they changed from who they were, celebrate who they're turning into Just like I think our parents do with us as we get older and we move out of the teenagers into adulthood and even in your own life, let's say you're 45, looking back on your life, who are you from 15 to 45? Hopefully you've changed. You can celebrate it. Why can't we celebrate when our partner changes, right? Because obviously, analytically, there's threat. There's all this other Mm -hmm. stuff we can talk about in maybe the next episode, but try and look at your partner like you're brand new dating a brand new version of them and bring back that excitement and fall in love with them again and again. Mm
1: -hmm. Just fall in love again and again. That's my Mm -hmm. final message. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'll steal it from you. (laughs) Please do. Please. Fall in love again and again. And yeah, we'll call that episode. That was yeah. a long one. It was a good one. Thanks yeah. everyone. As always for listening much yes. appreciated. If you have questions for us or want us to answer a topic on the podcast, just an email, Ryan and Talia at the couples guide com.
0: Yes. And stay tuned on my page at Talia Bombola for Q and a, I try and do two or three a week. So if there's an episode, Or a question you have that you want answered in more of a long form episode, I usually discern because there's some questions I'm like this is juicy, but then there's some that you could just message me, DM, be like, hey, I'd love this answered on the podcast and we'll talk about it. And if it's a good fit, we'll put it on.
1: Sounds good. Thanks again, everyone. Till next time. Bye-bye.